Hello and welcome to Weathering the Storm, a podcast to help us weather the storms of life by sustaining an unwavering faith in God. I'm your host, Drew Suttles, and I'm so thankful that you have taken time out from your busy schedule to spend a few moments with me today. Our goal in this episode is to discuss the reality of the storm of guilt. You may be wondering, what exactly does guilt mean? Well, it's important to define terms, as we always try to do as we begin these episodes. Guilt is different from being guilty. Guilty is defined as being responsible for wrongdoing. Guilt is the state of one who has committed an offense, especially consciously. Guilt, then, describes the feelings of deserving blame, especially for imagined offenses or from a sense of inadequacy. And so to be guilty is to be responsible for doing something wrong. But guilt is the feelings that come with that. You know, the reality is sometimes we feel guilt for things that we didn't do. For example, you you may have heard the phrase guilt trip. You think about someone putting someone on a guilt trip, making them feel bad for something, uh, even though they're completely innocent. They didn't do anything wrong. Well, it's important for us as we weather the storm of guilt to realize that sometimes we allow these feelings to stop us, to hinder us from moving forward. As we go to the Word of God, we have a good example of this in Peter. You know, Peter is the one disciple in whom I can relate the most. To me, Peter shows what it means to be a human being. Peter had some ups and downs, didn't he? Just like we do. He had some shining moments. and He also had some, some very dark moments. Let's think about some of the shining moments of Peter. Uh, think about Matthew chapter 16. You may recall Jesus there asking his disciples, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? Some said you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But he said, But who do you say that I am? Of all the disciples, Peter is the one who answered, Thou art the Christ, the Son of a living God. I find it interesting that it was Peter who made that statement. And then Jesus telling Peter, Upon this rock, upon this bedrock of truth, that I am the Son of God, that I am the Christ, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Later in John chapter 6, We have Jesus teaching uh, that he is the bread of life. He's teaching some things that are very powerful. But for some of the people that were following him, it was hard for them uh, to to grasp it. And so many of them just decided to leave and stop following him altogether. So Jesus turned to his disciples and he said, Will you also go? And I love what Peter said. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we believe and we are sure that you are that Christ, the Son of the living God. Here are some of the shining moments then of Peter. Moments in the scriptures when we look to him and we think, wow, Peter was was right there with the Lord. Peter was able to to make these great statements of faith and, and we can look to him as a great example. But then we think about some of the dark moments of Peter. For example, in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33, where we have Jesus walking on the water. You remember Peter's the one who said, Lord, if it's you, let me come out too. And Peter got out of the boat and he began to walk on the water, but he took his eyes off of Jesus and he began 
to sink. In Mark chapter 8, after Jesus explained to his disciples that he had to die, and the third day he would rise again, the text says that Peter took him off to the side, almost as if a parent takes a child off to the side and, and tries to reason with them. And he said, Lord, this can't be right. Remember what Jesus said to him? He said, get behind me, Satan. Imagine how that must have felt, hearing those words from the one that Peter looked up to and loved so much. But Jesus said that because he knew that he had to suffer. He said, you're thinking about the things of the world. You're not thinking about the things of God. Jesus knew that he had to do this so mankind could be saved or have the opportunity, rather, to be saved if they submit to the will of God. But then as we think about the dark moments of Peter, one stands out above all the rest, and that is when Peter denied Jesus three times. This is recorded for us in Luke 22, 54 through 62. As we think about Peter being right there with the Lord, the one who said, you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who said, we believe and we are sure that you are the Christ. We read of him saying, I don't even know who he is. And so Peter, out of all the disciples, must have felt a sense of guilt like no one else. Now, of course, we think about Judas. Judas certainly felt guilt, but Judas didn't handle it the right way, did he? Judas did not weather the storm of guilt properly. He felt horrible. He knew that he had shed innocent blood, but then he took his own life instead of handling it the right way. So we think about Peter and his example. And how he was able to weather the storm of guilt. I'd like to submit three points to you in this episode. And I hope that this will help you. If you are feeling uh, these feelings of guilt. If you are uh, allowing guilt to hinder you from moving forward. I hope that this will help. In the first place, as we think about how Peter was able to weather the storm of guilt. He did not allow his guilt to stop him from repenting. In that passage where we read about him denying Jesus three times, Luke 22, 54-62, it's interesting what we find there at the end of that chapter. That after the Lord turned and looked at Peter, it says that Peter went out and he wept bitterly. When you look at that in the original language and when you consult commentators and those who have a good grasp on the original language, they say that the tears that he cried were like crocodile tears. And it wasn't like he was in the corner barely weeping. He, he was sobbing, sobbing bitter, bitter tears because he knew that even though he told Jesus, even if everyone else leaves you, even if everyone else forsakes you, I will never leave you. I, I will never do that. And here he is realizing that's exactly what he did. He was guilty. He was responsible for this wrongdoing. But think about how that must have felt and the guilt that he felt. And as we look to the scriptures, we can see that. But it did not stop him from repenting. You know, Judas did not repent. But Peter did. Repentance is defined as a change of mind that brings about a change of life or course of action. Peter did not allow this guilt to stop him right there. That's not how the story ends with Peter, is it? No, we know that Peter was able to make the changes that he needed to make to become a great servant in the kingdom. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10 that 
godly sorrow produces repentance. And that repentance leads into salvation. Worldly sorrow is you're sorry that you got caught. That, that's really what Judas felt. But godly sorrow is realizing that you have gone against the holiness of God. You have offended God. And because of that sorrow, it motivates you to make the changes you need to make. And so Peter was able to weather the storm of guilt, these horrible feelings of blame, by making the changes that he needed to make, by repenting. In the second place, as we consider how Peter was able to weather the storm of guilt, Peter did not allow his guilt to alter his future. You know, I find it very comforting what we find in John chapter 21. Peter denied Jesus three times. But then in John 21, Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? Do you remember how many times Jesus asked him that? Three times. I like to think that it was Jesus' way of saying, Peter, you denied me three times, but now I'm giving you an opportunity to not only announce the fact that I am who I say I am, but that you love me. What a powerful way for Peter to say, yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I love you. You know that I love you. But as we know what it means to biblically love, it means that you're willing to obey. You're willing to submit. You're willing to make sacrifices. And you think about Peter and what he was able to do. He did not allow his guilt to alter his future. As you go to Acts chapter 2, it is Peter who is standing up, lifting up his voice, preaching the gospel the very first gospel sermon recorded in its entirety. And he's the one who denied Jesus, but now he says, you have crucified the Son of God. God has exalted him as both Lord and Christ. They cried out and said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It was Peter who preached that sermon. In Acts chapter 3, we have Peter continuing to preach the gospel. And it's amazing as you study that sermon in, in Acts chapter 3, all the different descriptions of Jesus. Again, this is one who denied him. This is one who felt great guilt and a horrible burden for what he had done. But now he's able to proclaim the gospel. He's able to proclaim the truth of God's Son. And then in Acts chapter 10, it's Peter who's privileged to open the door of faith to the Gentiles by once again preaching the truth of the gospel. How was Peter able to weather the storm of guilt? We notice that he did not allow his guilt to stop him from repenting. He did not allow his guilt to alter his future. But third and finally, Peter did not allow his guilt to hinder him from serving the Lord. When you go to the New Testament, you find there are two epistles written by Peter. And it's so amazing to study the life of Peter in the gospel accounts and in the book of Acts and then go to his writing. Think about what he experienced and then how he encourages Christians today to live. Here are a few examples. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 21. Peter says, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, 
that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Peter says, you know, we were guilty of that. Peter says, I was guilty of that. I denied the Lord. But you know what? I've died to sin, and now I can live for righteousness. What a comforting thought that is given to us. In 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, Peter says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Peter says, From now on, I'm going to live for the will of God. I'm going to serve him with every fiber of my being. And then you make your way to the book of Second Peter. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 5 and going through verse 11, Peter speaks of the Christian graces, not allowing guilt to stop you, but allowing uh, what Jesus has done for you and to, to transform you, to build on that. He says, you give all diligence and you add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness Love, He says, you have to abound in these things. You see, Peter did not allow that guilt that he felt to stop him, but rather he turned this into something positive. And now we're encouraged to do the same. And then in 2 Peter chapter 3, he speaks about the second coming of Christ. He said, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Then he says this, Seeing that all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? I love that this Peter that said that. How are you to live now? Not, not who you were before. What are you to do moving forward? Knowing that Jesus is coming back one day, what are you doing now to prepare yourself? Finally, in 2 Peter 3.18, Peter says, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. We see Peter's growth, don't we? Uh, we see him from, uh, from sinking in the water to denying Jesus three times to standing up and preaching the gospel to serving as an elder in the Lord's church, 1 Peter chapter 5. And to see him giving these, these words of wisdom and these words of comfort to Christians in all generations. As we close out this episode today, what is the application? What can you take from this to help you weather the storm of guilt? You know, we're all guilty of sin. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. But though we are guilty, we are responsible for that wrongdoing. When one obeys the gospel of Christ... Though the consequences of sin will still be felt, the guilt of sin is taken away. Jesus Christ came to this world and He lived a perfect life. He died a horrible death, but He rose the third day. And if we will reenact that, if we will die to sin, be buried with Christ in a watery grave of baptism, then we too can rise and walk in newness of life and not allow that guilt to hinder us from moving forward. Again, we'd think about Acts 2.38, what Peter said. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? 
for the remission of your sins, for the forgiveness of your sins. You don't have to wear or bear that guilt anymore. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, he says, Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, taken out of the way, that you don't have to bear the guilt anymore. What about Saul of Tarsus, who was guilty of persecuting Christians? What was he told to do? Acts twenty two sixteen, Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. He could have that guilt washed away, couldn't he? And then my favorite verse in all of the Bible is Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You see, dear friend, if you will give your life to Christ in obedience to His gospel, if you will submit as a penitent believer confessing that Jesus is the Christ, then you can be baptized, immersed in water, coming in contact with the blood of Christ, that's what we find in Romans 6, 3-6, have all of your sins washed away, and as those sins are taken out of the way, washed away, your guilt also can be washed away. And you can live as a brand new creature in Christ, a brand new Christian, and have the hope of heaven ever before you. The example of Peter will always stand as one, for one who did not allow guilt, he did not allow his past to define him, but he was able to weather the storm by looking to God and trusting in Him. I want to close today with some words from one of my favorite hymns, It Is Well With My Soul. And dear friend, I hope that if your soul has been troubled because of guilt, that this episode will help you to weather the storm. Listen to these comforting words as we close. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It is well with my soul. I pray that this episode today will help you weather the storm of guilt, that all may be well with your soul. Thank you, and God bless.